Take your Bible and turn with the Gospel of Mark, the seventh chapter. And according to social media and all the posts I've seen, uh, because we turned our clocks back last night, I get to preach for an extra hour today. So, um, you know, I didn't hear an amen anyway. <laughs> Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. And this is an interesting passage. Um, all of you at some point in time have seen uh, the uh, sleight of hand magicians, you know, the ones that pull the rabbits out of the hat and those kind of things. And basically, as, as I understand it, typically the way uh, their magic works is to draw your attention over here while they pull the rabbit out over here. Uh, is kind of how most of their uh, most of their tricks in a simple form work. This passage, unfortunately, has kind of been that way. Uh, it, it is a passage, and we'll look at it in a moment, uh, that has a statement in it that Jesus made uh, that tends to get all the attention. Uh, and, and I'll just tell you what it is. I'll go ahead. Some of you, I, I sent the text out. Some of you uh, have already read this. You read it two weeks because I sent it out last week by mistake. Uh, but Jesus calls this lady who comes to her, calls her a dog. Um, and that has uh, got, uh, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, that, that, um, that has caused a lot of people to take this passage and really focus on, well, I don't know, where would Jesus call this woman a dog? That's, you know, that's kind of harsh. That doesn't seem like something uh, Jesus would do or should do. Um, and they get so caught up on that that they miss uh, this woman's amazing faith. Uh, and, and what she uh, what she does uh, here because they misunderstand uh, what Jesus has said. And so hopefully we can clear some of that up this morning. And I want you to, as we look at this, uh, we're going to see three aspects uh, of an amazing faith. Um, faith is one of those things like uh, a lot of things in, in the church. Uh, grace, mercy, uh, there are a lot of things in the church that um, we have talked about uh, since the days of the book of Acts, uh, since the New Testament church. Uh, we have talked about some of these things uh, without honestly ever really uh, understanding them. We stand up, we sing about faith, we sing about grace, but we never really, we just kind of assume everybody knows uh, what it looks like and how it operates. Uh, and faith is one of those things. We tell people uh, a lot of times, oh, you just need to have faith. And I think sometimes we tell people that, and, and they would like to respond, well, I don't even know what it is. Uh, you know, where do I get it? Do I get it at the store? Uh, you know, a lot of people we tell uh, to, to just have faith. Uh, honestly, they didn't grow up in the church. They don't know their Bible. Uh, they don't know what faith is. And, and, uh, and so this morning, in, in this little simple story, uh, we're going to see three things. And this is not, uh, I mean, you can talk from now till Jesus comes uh, about faith and never exhaust the topic. So uh, this is not a complete uh, course on faith, but it is uh, three very fundamental, uh, important aspects or, or, or facets of faith. And so uh, as we look at this story, uh, if you uh, look at the beginning in uh, verse 24, if you remember uh, last week, uh, as we uh, were in the, the previous passage, uh, we have 
this, uh, this story, and, and he's got this crowd, and uh, they're around him. But uh, verse 24 says he, he departs. He, uh, he goes to a different uh, area. Uh, he leaves and, and goes off uh, again. Uh, probably just uh, at that point, Jesus was still, um, to some extent, avoiding uh, these big crowds uh, because big crowds uh, drew the attention of the Roman government. Uh, when they would see a, somewhere in that region a big crowd gathered, they thought they were gathering uh, to rebel against the Roman government. So they would, uh, they would tend to send the soldiers to squash such a gathering. And so uh, it wasn't wise to have too many big, large gatherings where a lot of folks gathered. And so Jesus goes to a different area, and then we pick up in verse 25, and it tells us there, it says, For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit. In other words, she was demon-possessed. She, uh, she had a demon, she was possessed by a demon. She heard of him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman, here's something important, she was Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, which means she was a Gentile. She was looked down on by the Jews. She was uh, an outcast, uh, wasn't allowed in the temple to worship. She is a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation. And she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. There's one word in there that uh, really describes this first facet uh, of faith. It says she besought him. Uh, now, I'm willing to risk a, uh, a gamble here and say that nobody in the last uh, lifetime has used the word besought unless you were reading the King James Version of the Bible. Uh, I doubt if anybody here uh, has said, well, I, 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 I beseech you. Uh, you know, uh, it's just not a, not a modern English word. But what we have said is we have probably said, I'm begging you. Uh, I, you know, I beg. So, and that's simply what this word means. It means that she begged Jesus. She pleaded with him. She was down, as we see, she fell beside him. Uh, she uh, came to him and she fell at his feet. She gets on her hands and knees and falls before Jesus and, and grabs her. No, I don't know, the, but you know, I can picture this as he's going along. She falls on her hands and knees. I, I don't have a problem imagining that whatsoever. Imagine if your child uh, was demon possessed. What would you do? Uh, and so I can picture her as she goes and she, she's heard these stories about Jesus and what he's done. And she goes and she falls down uh, at his feet and, and, I, and I can picture her holding him by the ankles, holding him by his robe, pleading with him, tears streaming down her face, begging him, please heal my daughter. Please cast this demon out of my daughter. Please, whatever it takes, I'll give it to you. Whatever the cost, I'll give it. Whatever you want me to do, just say so. Whatever you need, heal my daughter. Most of you in here who are parents, you can identify with that. You, you, you can identify with whatever it takes. You know, you, you, you didn't, you know, you, you, didn't, you don't go into the doctor's office with your sick child and say, well, give me an estimate. You do that with your car. 
Yeah. When your car's got a dent, you go to the body shop, give me an estimate on what it'll cost to repair it. When your child is sick, you take them to whenever, wherever, whoever, and you don't even you don't ask the price, you just say fix song. This lady, she has, first of all, a steadfast faith. She comes to Jesus. Uh, she is the most unlikely individual, one, one of the most unlikely individuals in the Bible to ever come to Jesus. A Syrophoenician, a, uh, a, a Greek, a woman, a Gentile. This woman doesn't have three stripes. She's got seven or eight. She, she is, you know, she, she is so far down the, uh, the ranking order of human beings in that time. Again, just the simple fact that she was a woman put her at the bottom of the list. The fact that she was a Gentile put her off the list. I mean, this woman is as far down as she can possibly go. Matthew uh, records this story as well in chapter 15. And there Matthew calls her a Canaanite woman. Not so not only is she a Greek, not only is she Syrophoenician, but if she is uh, a Canaanite woman, she is a out and out pagan. Okay? She is a pagan. That, that's the only way. She couldn't have been further from the citizenship of Israel. She couldn't have been further from God than her description. A woman, a Greek, a Syrophoenician, a Gentile, a Canaanite, a pagan. Boom, boom, boom. She is just steadily dropping down the list. And listen, it wasn't a secret. It wasn't like somebody came over and whispered in her ear, you know, you're a Greek. Oh, I know. You know you're a Gentile. Oh, I know. You know you're a pagan. Oh, I know. You know the Jews hate you. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. She knew these things. Wasn't a secret. Everybody in the crowd knew it. She knew it. Jesus knew it. Everybody knew where she was. And it was completely unacceptable in their culture for her to approach a rabbi. Uh-uh, not happening. I mean, this woman could have had leprosy and not been any further down the totem pole. She was completely, and yet she besought or kept on asking, is what that word means. She kept on asking. I don't care if you call me a Greek. Heal my daughter. I don't care if you call me a Gentile, help my daughter. I don't care if you call me a pagan, help my daughter. I don't care if you call me a Canaanite, help my daughter. I don't care if everybody in this crowd hates my guts and wants to see me dead, help my daughter. You took your child to the doctor's office, and that doctor was the only doctor in the world that had the cure for whatever ailed your daughter. Would you care if he called you ugly? Probably not if you can help your daughter. She kept on asking. She kept on asking to drive out this demon. 
I want to remind you, we've seen this several times uh, already. We see it really in the book of Acts as, uh, as the, the folks who would hear about what Jesus was doing, they would hear about God moving, they would hear about the power of the Holy Spirit, they would send out investigators. We've seen that several times here in the book of Mark. They would send crews from, uh, out from the church, from the temple, the Pharisees. They'd go out and want to check out what Jesus was doing. What did they come for? They come to gather evidence. They come to cause trouble. This woman was a Greek. She was a pagan. She was a Gentile. And she came. Because her daughter needed healing. She kept on asking because her daughter needed healing. She came boldly. It took guts beyond our comprehension. It took guts beyond anything I can describe or you can imagine for this woman to bust through in a group of Jews to bust her way through and fall at Jesus' feet and beg Him in front of everybody. She had a steadfast faith. Mark tells us she comes and falls at His feet and begged him, besought him to cast out this demon to do that. And, and the tense of the word there, if you, if you study that word in the original language, you find out it doesn't mean she came by and said, hey, would you heal my daughter? And he kept walking. It means she came to, would you heal my daughter? 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 She kept on begging. It was a steadfast faith. She was not going to be denied. We're approaching the Christmas season. You've seen, I don't know what, what the toy is this year, but usually every Christmas there is a toy. I'm going to kind of reveal my age like it's a secret. Uh, you know, the last one that really sticks in my mind, that really stands out, was... 40 years ago, the Cabbage Patch Dogs. And I'm sure there's been others since then. I just don't remember one. Yeah. Uh, the Tickle Me Elmo was one that, that, that they were getting in fights over. You know, they were determined to get that toy for their child. This woman, she would not be denied. She was one of these ladies who camped out at Walmart on Thursday of Thanksgiving week to be first in line when the store opened. She was not going to be. I would have liked to have seen the men who decided we're going to stop this woman from getting to Jesus. I would like to have seen what was left of her. One thing I know, I'm not the smartest fella in town. I, I, I know that. I'm like old Forrest Gump. I'm not a very smart man. But I know this. When mamas get on a mission for their baby, move. This woman was determined. Matthew tells us in chapter 15, verse 22, he said, Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. 
She was what we used to talk about with preachers. I remember uh, Kenneth Ridings, who was president of Fruitland years ago. He was from a little town down on the state line of South Carolina, North Carolina, called Fingerville. You, you go through it if you go across uh, Highway 11 going over. And he said, back when I was growing up, all they cared was that the preacher was long and loud. You ask him on Monday, was the preacher good? Yeah, what'd he say? I don't know, but he was long and loud. This woman was long and loud. She was determined to get to Jesus. To make it worse, Matthew tells us again in verse 23, but he answered her, not a word. He answered her, not a word. And then look what happens. I said it. It says the disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she cried after us. Let me bring that into English. Send her away. She's getting up on our last good nerve. She's annoying us. She's bothering us. And when Jesus doesn't answer her, or does finally answer her, he answers her with the line that has caused many to twist in the wind. When he finally does answer her in verse 27, he says to her, Let the children first be filled. For it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it under the dogs. I don't know if you get it, but Jesus just called this woman a dog. I can't help you because you are a dog. You can get the picture. Some of you have dogs at your house. He says, I feed my children first. Now, you may give the dog the scraps when you get done eating. But I don't think most of you, yeah, I feel pretty safe. I know you and your kids, they're not that bad. I don't think most of you would sit down at the table and feed the dog first and give your child, the leftovers. Oh, that might be dead. But as a general rule, Jesus says to her, I can't help you. You're a dog. Now, she answers him and says, Yes, Lord. But the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. If you got a dog, and he's very smart, or she's very smart at all. You know where she'll sit when you go to eat? Under the baby's seat. Because she knows more than likely something is going to hit the floor. It may be this big. It may be the whole pork chop. We'll just take our chances. But I'm going to sit right here and keep my eyes on that baby. That's what this woman said. Let's clear up something here about what Jesus says that really comes across poorly in the translation. When he says, don't, not the dog, that there was a word that they would use in that time for wild, crazy dogs running the streets. This was dog, this word was more like puppy. A house dog. Pet. I love the dog, but I'm going to feed the children first. 
what Jesus says to her, and it's correct that he was sent to the house of Israel first. That's who was his priority. And the lady says, listen, she, you know, what would you do if he called? She doesn't dispute when he says you're a dog. Cool, call me a dog. But even the dogs get to eat the crumbs. She was not giving up. She was persistent in her faith. She was going to keep asking. I believe she would have followed Jesus all the way. She would have just kept following. I'm just waiting on a crumb to fall off the table. I'm just waiting on a crumb to fall off the table. Story in the book of Luke chapter 11, right after the disciples say, teach us to pray. And Jesus gives them the model prayer. Remember the model prayer. At the end of the model prayer, we typically overlook this section uh, of this teaching. We just get caught up in the prayer. Uh, if you want to look there in Luke chapter 11, uh, verse 5, Jesus says, Which of you have a friend shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he's his friend, yet because of his importunity or his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. You understand that story? Jesus says a man has a neighbor, and that neighbor has company come over about midnight. Well, we got a problem right off the bat, but he's got company comes over at midnight. And as was the tradition in that area, you fed your company. But he didn't have any food, and that was a social oh, that was you know, that was that that, that was worse than wiping your chin on your shirt too. I mean that was that was just socially unacceptable. And so he goes to his neighbor's house at midnight still and says, Hey, I got a, I got a friend that's come over. I need some bread. The man in the house says, Go away. Leave me be. It's midnight. Knocks again. Knocks again. And Jesus says, He doesn't get up and give him the bread because he's his friend, but because he's persistent. Because he's persistent. Because he's steadfast. Because he keeps asking. Do you persistently and passionately, is there something that you persistently and passionately pray for? Is there someone you persistently and passionately pray for? Every one of us has a loved one or a friend that doesn't know Jesus. Do we persistently and passionately call out their name to the Master begging Him Save their soul. 
Is there anything you can say, honestly? And I'm not asking you to report to me because I'm not in charge. Is there anything that you'd say, I have been persistently and passionately praying for? That you don't let go. This woman's faith, Jesus eventually says, is a great thing. Because she believed that Jesus Christ was the only answer. Jesus wasn't, she wasn't at the KMW saying, I will bring it. She went to the only place she believed, the only person she believed who could help her daughter. She wasn't offering sacrifices over here and over there. She wasn't going from church to church to church. She went to the one place and she wasn't turning loose. Faith. Persistent and passionate. James says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth mine. Let me change that from the King James to Jimmy. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep trusting. Real faith. Fabulous faith is persistent. It's steadfast. It's a simple faith. Look at the next part of the story. Again in verse 25. It says, just tells us, it's a lady who has a young daughter. By young, she was probably about a teenager. And Jesus' response to her, and I've already dealt with this, is probably one of the most um, shocking, puzzling, confusing, <laughs> if you had never read this passage before, and you came across it, and all of a sudden you see Jesus calling this woman a dog, you'd be a little bit shocked, wouldn't you? It kept you off guard. Some of you have seen it before and you're still not sure about it. You're still a little uncomfortable with it. And Jesus says to him, he says, allow the children to be satisfied first. Because it isn't right that the children's bread be given to the dogs. And again, it sounds like a huge insult. It sounds like he's saying you're unworthy. But Jews often, commonly, referred to the Gentiles as, as dogs. Unclean scavengers. Wild dogs that ran the streets. And those kind of dogs. We've all seen them. That was, how, that was how they commonly referred to them. And we've already told you, that's not what Jesus meant. Jesus, again, the, the very words, it's more of a parable. And, and the word here that he uses for dogs is more like puppy or, or, or house dog. And again, notice, he doesn't say the dog doesn't eat. He says the dog doesn't eat first. So it's obviously not a, a, a scavenger. Jesus says he uses the word first. 
What's he doing? I believe he's simply testing the woman's faith. Again, back to that persistent idea. If I tell her this, will she get up and walk away? No, she hung on a little tighter. It's a simple faith. Paul says the same thing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and to the Greek. It's not a new principle. Jesus says, it's first. It'd be wrong for me to leave you with the impression, and I hope I haven't, that this woman's persistence somehow earned Christ's favor. What it did was it, it proved her faith. It's not the case at all. Our Lord wanted, he wanted us to see what happens with authentic faith. That she doesn't give up, that she doesn't walk away, that she believes. Again, she didn't think she had merited God's help. When he called her a dog, she didn't argue. So he says, that, that, in other words, she knew. She, she didn't have any problem being called uh, a dog. She, she knew that. She knew there was no merit in her. There was no, no reason for Jesus Christ to heal her daughter. She hadn't done anything to earn it. She just simply believed he could and he would. She didn't come to him saying, like a lot of times we make bargains. Unfortunately, all of us have probably prayed some of those kind of prayers. And heal my daughter. I believe you can heal my daughter. She depended. She, she, was, she was not a Jew. She was a Gentile. She was totally dependent on the goodness of Jesus Christ. She didn't think she deserved it. She didn't think she had earned it. She just believed with all her heart he could and he would. It was a simple faith. The sacrifices of God, he says, are a broken and contrite heart. Of these, God will not despise. This woman had a broken and contrite heart. It was a simple faith. She just believed Jesus could. It was a steadfast faith. It was a simple faith. It was a submissive faith. Again, we see in the story, verse 28, and she asks him, but the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. I'm not asking for the pork chop. I'm just asking for the fat to trim off the sides. I'm just asking for the crumbs. Jesus said unto her, For this sake, go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. The woman's faith was great because she simply took Jesus at his word. She says, heal my daughter. Jesus looks at her and says, go home, it's better. Go home, it's done. It's taken care of. 
It's a submissive faith. He told her to go home. She went home. Go home. She goes home. Lord, if you say I'm a little dog, I'll be a little dog. Lord, if you say I'm nothing, I don't care. I am nothing. I don't deserve anything you'd give me. But if I'm a little dog, little dogs have masters in your mind. And I'll do whatever you say. I'll be obedient. It means at least think about what Jesus was saying when he says the little dogs around the table don't eat first, but they are in the house. They are in the house. They're not scavengers, they're not out on the street. They are in the house. How many of y'all dogs eat awful good even though they ain't at the table? At least she says, I'm in the house. I may not get to sit at the... Some of you, a lot of you in here are old enough to remember back in the day when we coming up on Thanksgiving and Christmas when you had the grown folks' table and the kids' table. Some of you even older than that. You remember there wasn't no kids' table, the grown folks ate, and when the leftovers were done, then the kids got to come and get the leftovers. But at least it's in the house. This lady said, I'll be submissive. I'm going to be a dog. I'm going to be a dog as long as I get to stay in the house. As long as you kill my daughter, I'll be submissive. I'll do whatever you say. I can only imagine this woman ran all the way home. Not sure how far it was, how far away she lived, but I just believe whatever it was, it might have been the first marathon ever run, but she ran. Marathon's 26 miles, by the way. I believe she ran all the way home. Came busting in the house. Never laid her child sleeping peacefully, probably for the first time in years. She was used to seeing her daughter convulsing, screaming out, yelling, shouting, hurting herself, cutting herself, doing all kinds of unspeakable acts. She walks in, her daughter's laying there with a peaceful smile on her face. You know how they are. It's about the only time you see that when they're asleep. You know that peaceful look. There she lay. Is on her bed. Might have been the first time she'd been in the bed. The fellow used to swing in from the light fixture. She was demon possessed. Did she wake the baby up? Tears had been flowing down her face just a little bit ago as she begged Jesus to heal her daughter. The tears of agony tears of pain, the tears of years of watching her daughter suffer. All the tears are still there, but they're a different kind of tear. They're tears of joy. The tears of happiness as she realized her daughter was delivered. I can only imagine when that daughter finally woke up. And she looked into her daughter's eyes and for the first time and who knows how many years she didn't see crazy. She didn't see evil. You ever had anybody we talk about a look that could kill you? You ever had anybody look at you that way? Imagine what demon-possessed eyes would look like. And for the first time in years, 
Her little daughter opened up her eyes, and they were bright. They were sparkly. She got a smile on her face and said, Hello, Mama. Probably the first time she called her Mama in a long, long time. Probably the first time. Maybe she'd even spoken in many years. I expect Jesus was the hero in that home from that day forward. As the old song goes, heaven came down and glory filled their souls. They had church in that house that day. But here's the great news this morning. What he did for that little girl some 2,000 years ago, he can still do. He has been doing. He's been cleansing and healing. He's been filling people's lives, saving people's souls ever since. If we just have a simple faith and put our trust in him. Happy are the men and women who determined to fall at the feet of Jesus and trust him. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. that question from a few moments ago. Is there anything you are persistently, passionately praying for? But I want to ask you this. Is there something you used to be persistently and passionately praying for? But over time, whether it's because your faith is diminished, whatever it is. But you're no longer praying for That child's salvation, that child that's gone astray, wandered away from God, that loved one that needs to be saved persistently and passionately pray for that loved one's salvation. I'll never forget as long as I have a memory. Many years ago now, every Sunday, one child that would come to the altar pretty much every service and pray for their father's salvation. And this went on for it seems like a year, two years. Every service practically. I want my daddy to be saved. And to my embarrassment, I'll admit to you that it got to the point where I, I didn't really even know what to say anymore. 
the child kept coming. And then one Sunday I looked up and here came Daddy. He come and took me by the hand. He said, I need to be saved. And can I tell you that Daddy is still living for Jesus today? It wasn't a fluke. It was the real thing. Faith, simple, steadfast, submissive, can change lives. You don't know Christ this morning? Would you follow the example of this woman? Come and follow his feet and say, Lord, I'm the one. It's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, Lord. I need to be saved. Whatever God's laying on your heart. Father, we ask you this morning to come now to a time of decision. All over this room, there are people with false loved ones, wayward children, situations and circumstances in their lives. God, this is you need to trust and have faith. Consistently and passionately. God, serve us this morning. If one here doesn't know Jesus, God, I pray it like this one will come and fall at your feet and ask you into their life. And we give you honor for all you do. It's in Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen. Have peace.
There's basically three classes of people in this building right now. You either been here your whole life. You don't know them no better. I asked you, Dad, what love you? This is all you've ever known from church. You're here because your family is here and invited you to come with them. Or you're here because a friend invited you to come here with them. That's 99.9% of the people in this church and every other church. It didn't have anything to do with how good the choir was, or how good the preacher was, or the youth minister, the children's minister, or anything else. Those three things. It's a proven fact. Um, invite somebody to come with you next Sunday. Invite them to that dinner. Uh, let them see that uh, let them learn something that's low impact where they don't uh, have to worry. They just come and eat and meet people. All right? Keep that in mind. All right? Let's bow as we dismiss this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for allowing us to be here today uh, together in your name. To worship you. Um, God, thank you for this great example. This one who wouldn't give up. That's the sort of faith in Jesus and nothing else. Uh, God, teach us to be like that. And we'll give you the honor and glory for all you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.